Hello and welcome to the special Denver edition of the Low Key Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like honey, maple, vanilla, and chocolate. Now, if you have a sweet tooth, go try their peanut butter cups, which come in dark chocolate and white chocolate. So go to Justin's and get a tasty treat. Now, without further ado, Andy Springer with Sweet Bloom Coffee Roasters. It's nice, it's easy, it's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Low Key. I'm here with Andy Springer from Sweet Bloom Coffee Roasters. How you doing, man? Doing well, thank you. That's good. Um, we are drinking one of your coffees. Yeah. Um, can you kind of describe it to us and what it is? Yeah, you're drinking uh, from a producer, a uh, farm called Buena Vista. Okay. Um, the producer's name is Carlos Mbachi. And I argue he's one of the top producers in, in Colombia in terms of consistent quality. Um, there's something special about his farm and the coffee he grows there. It um, has maybe a little bit more of a floral note than you'd expect from a lot of, you know, your typical uh, coffee from Huila. Um, and it's just super sweet. Uh, it's got a, a wonderful kind of like a creamsicle or like an orange creamsicle citrusy note and uh, yeah just uh, we've always been thrilled with the coffees that Carlos and Bachi produces that's awesome so what um, can you tell us a little bit about like what got you into coffee um, and how you started the journey of Sweet Bloom yeah I've gosh it's been a long time now I I think I first really fell in love with coffee uh, in college, um, I went to, I was going to college just across the border in Canada, close to Vancouver. Um, but my buddy um, introduced me to a cafe in Bellingham, Washington, actually Fairhaven, Washington, called uh, Tony's. Uh, okay. This is like, gosh, 25 years ago. Jeez. Um, and uh, just loved that cafe. I. It was my first really experience with espresso, um, you know, and I just also just really enjoyed the whole, um, you know, cafe vibe, hanging out with friends, going to there to study, um, and then just going out to the beach afterwards. Um, there was something super special about that experience during my college years that uh, just made me enchanted with the whole idea of coffee houses. So there was a little bit of a temptation once I graduated from college. I had a biology degree. Wow. Um, But a temptation to um, maybe do a, you know, come back to Colorado where I grew up and start a cafe, um, but then thought better of it. So I had no business experience at all at the time. Um, And then followed my 
career or followed a career in, in biology and, and environmental conservation. Um, so, you know, long story short, my wife and I lived in Lebanon for three years um, doing conservation work. I is that in Colorado? No, or? in no Lebanon, in the, like the, the country. country? Lebanon. Oh yeah. my god, dang. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So, um, yeah, so we worked overseas and we were working to protect a wetland. Uh, oh wow. Which, um, and was, you know, there's wetlands in the Middle East are few and far between. So, um, it's important just because it's a wetland to protect, but it's also a major flyway for migrating birds. Yeah. Uh, or at least the Bekaa Valley where this wetland sat or sits. Um, so a lot of our, our focus was studying the birds that, that came through that wetlands. Um, huh. So banned birds, uh, we do census counts, um, and do like environmental education walks with the children. That's cool. Uh, and teach like, uh, uh, like migrating raptor surveys, or teach, teach uh, um, you know, kind of local conservationists how to identify migrating raptors. Um, so that, yeah, it was fascinating work. We, uh, in what's cool now is that wetland is now a, a national reserve. Wow. Um, and it was just, it was fun just to be a small part of, of that. And, but our work was basically to collect data that would justify why this was an important place for migrating birds. That's crazy. So that was my former uh, work. When the Iraq War started, um, things got a little bit, um, I don't know, uh, dicey for Americans. Um, and we just felt like we weren't 100% safe. Yeah. Um, our director actually asked us, you know, to leave uh, right after the war started, um, just to see how things uh, would pan out. Um, so we came back to the States for a while, uh, and while we were there, uh, we realized my wife was pregnant, and um, so we had to kind of change courses, and, and we realized maybe we shouldn't go back to Lebanon at that time. Yeah. We start a new life here in the States again. Um, so, uh, the organization we were working for in Lebanon had a base in Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, they asked my wife to be an administrator uh, for that organization, and, and then I, uh, so we went out to uh, the Annapolis area, and I was looking for jobs in conservation, and thought, well, at least until I, I find something in my field, I'll just get a job in coffee, uh, just to you know, bring some money in. Yeah. And uh, applied to a few coffee shops and ended up applying to a, what was then uh, a roastery called Cafe Pronto, now Ceremony. Oh, um, nice. And uh, started as a barista. I got a job there and started as a barista and, um, and then fell in love with coffee uh, mm. in, a, in a new way and just realized that um, there's so many fascinating uh, aspects of coffee and um, from international, the international component, you know, working with producers. Um, I was fascinated with how coffee has expressed itself in different cultures. Um, and then I was realizing that I might have a bit of a knack for um, identifying quality coffee. I think mm. some of this kind of, I, I'm fairly hypersensitive like with my my eyes and my ears and, and even like smell, 
and taste. Um, I think all those kind of hypersensitivities actually lend themselves not only well to you know identifying birds in the field, but uh, also just identifying quality coffee. So I just realized maybe I have a skill set that that worked for specialty coffee and, and just fell in love with it in many different ways and yeah. realized I could make a career out of it. And before I knew it, I was supporting my family. Um, and ended up taking, you know, I went from a barista position to doing some work in production, um, helping delivering the coffee, uh, uh, bagging coffee, labeling bags, you know, everything that mm -hmm. would help move the roastery forward. It was a young, young company at the time. And then started taking over the roasting department um, about three years into it. And I was the head roaster there for seven years. Before we came back to Colorado. It's awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I got my start, and um, just uh, never would have dreamed I'd be here about 14 years later, you know, running a, a roaster. But um, really thankful. That's where my career led me to. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Um, I I like I like what you said about like coffee. Your experience with coffee it's so much more because once you do get into coffee, like there's so much more elements and culture and everything else that's that's out there. Yeah. Um, it's not just you know bean that you drink. It's there's so many hands that that go through it, and it's an experience too. Yeah. Um, and I, I I enjoyed that you said that, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm curious too. You you said you were a bird researcher, yeah. or um, yeah. what was what was the most interesting bird you you kind of seen <laughs> here in Colorado, or just in Lebanon, or or, in or just 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 in general in like bird like your bird researching like yeah stuff. I, mean, I can tell you my favorite bird is uh, hummingbirds of, oh, of all species. They yeah. there's something about them. Uh, they've got loads of attitude. Um, super fast, can fly in all directions. Um, and they drink nectar, um, all, all very, I think, cool things. Um, so that's like my favorite species of bird. And I think one of my most memorable experiences with birds was uh, on the marsh in Lebanon. Um, you know, birds move through uh, in flocks of thousands. Um, there's one evening where the sky was super dark, it was a bit of a storm, uh, and uh, there was flocks of thousands of white storks um, settling in on the marsh, so it was almost like it was snowing yeah. storks. Because everywhere you looked in this, in this dark sky, you had these bright white, massive birds just kind of descending on the marsh, um, and it was fascinating. It was just an incredible experience, and, and one I'll, I'll treasure forever, um, just on the, the sheer beauty and kind of um, grandiose. Yo, experience that it was, um, yeah, I'll never forget. That's amazing. That's cool. And I can tell you a lot. You know, being out in, in uh, you know, doing bird watching trips and, and leading bird watching tours and stuff like that is all, you know, had lots of experiences like that hmm. uh, throughout my life. So I'm very grateful, grateful for birds getting me out in the wild and, and seeing things that I otherwise would just you know, we just pass by and never notice. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. really neat. What, you you kind of have an interesting um, 
journey through? Because I've read some of your stuff on, on your website. And mm -hmm. stuff. You've been you've been to the Brewers Cup and you've been to um, I guess the Tasting Challenge or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah Tasters yeah. Cup. Yeah, the Tasters Cup, and um, you you were two times Brewers champion. Yeah, for the um, US. Tell 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 us a little bit about like the the journey and the hardships in that, and kind of kind of what um, the expo around around what you had to do in the preparation for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's well, um, I think you, my first interest in competing is. Uh, in these coffee competitions is that I naturally competitive. I grew up with you know, two brothers. Um, they played sports, were really good at sports, and I felt like I needed to kind of follow in their footsteps. Yeah. So at a very early age, I wanted to compete with them and try and be like them. Um, so I, I think, you know, growing up, I became a very competitive person. Um, so. That certainly, you know, when there were opportunities to compete with coffee, I, I thought, well, I'd, I'd love to try that out. Um, and I think, at least initially, it was a great way for me to, you know, being a roaster, you're stuck behind a roaster day in, day out. Um, it can become pretty monotonous and mundane. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think I saw these competitions not only as a competition, but also some a way of kind of expressing my love for coffee and expressing just uh, it was a way to, to share that in a, a more public setting of opportunities you don't necessarily get, just, you know, being a roaster. Um, so yeah, I, I competed in lots. I, I first competed in like the Roaster's Choice competitions, mm -hmm. submitting samples. It was the, the program was different back then, or the, the competition was different back then. Um, than it is today, uh, but and had some coffees, you know, do really well. We, we won first place one year uh, with a coffee from Ethiopia, uh, and then I competed in the first Tasters Cup competition and uh, took second place that first year. Um, I think I took second place. No, I. I think I went from second place to third place to fourth place. Each year, consecutive year that I competed, it was getting worse and worse. And then <laughs> uh, after like a fourth place finish, the next year I took second again. Um, uh, and then I've also had one year where I just did horrible. Um, uh, but really enjoyed the Taster's Cup competition. I think it's a fantastic competition. It really kind of um, highlights people that are dedicated to day in, day out cupping uh, coffees and, and it really shows I think a talent that, that some people have um, mm -hmm. that they get to express uh, you know um, or share with the world that they're actually really good tasters and I think it's a, yeah. a, a neat competition to highlight that huh. um, yeah and then when the uh, US Brewers Cup competition started I you know, I, I competed in that the first year um, and, and did really well. Um, one of the hardships along the way, I think, it, uh, like with the Brewers Cup competition, uh, was you know in the regional competition, um, at least initially, you weren't able. If you didn't get into the top six, you weren't able to present your own coffee. Yeah. And that's where a lot of my time uh, was spent preparing for the competition was the presentation, and um, so that was really tough. I think the first year I. 
uh, I competed, I didn't go through into the top six. Hmm. Um, and so I wasn't able to present my own coffee. Um, fortunately, back then, you could still compete in the U.S. competition. So um, I, I ended up deciding to compete again uh, in the U.S. competition, even though I hadn't placed uh, yeah. in the regionals. Um, and I'm really glad I did, because uh, I ended up winning. Um, so I, th I think there's a level of, I think you see this in a lot of competitors, this, this drive to, you know, maybe they get knocked down or they don't do as well in, in, the, in maybe years of competitions, but they keep, keep coming back and they keep uh, growing in, in their knowledge and their desire to share the beauty of coffee. Um, I think Lem Butler is an amazing example of someone that's persevered and continually improved what he's done. Um, I just thought it was such a beautiful thing to see him win uh, the U.S. two years ago. Yeah. Uh, just a, a great testimony to just the, the resilience and the uh, amazing comebacks of, of a lot of these baristas and just the tenacity and the uh, yeah. perseverance. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of what makes, you know, competitors uh, that succeed. I don't think they tend to succeed the first time they go out and do it. That would be my encouragement to competitors is if you don't do as well as you had hoped, if you screw up, one, one thing is uh, missing from, or you just messed up on one thing, um, or even if you did horrible on a bunch of different things, that, that's something you should give up. Um, I would encourage competitors to keep trying and keep pushing forward because you never know what that uh, that perseverance will lead to. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because you're you're the first person or, or coffee roaster that that I've had on that kind of was in the the expo, the okay. barista championship. So I was cool. I was kind of curious, like yeah. like how's how's it like and and what what was your experience? So yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So and then preparation, you know, just lots of. Uh, you know, I think the, the people that do well put hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and into it. And, yeah. Um, just a lot of time outside of their work schedule. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it, I think for some it comes a little bit more naturally, but yeah. it seems to me the ones that do best have prepared really well in advance. That's cool. What would you say is your, speaking of challenges, what what is your what was your biggest like challenge or struggle in building up Sweet Bloom? Oh wow, I think yeah, I've had I had ten years of experience in coffee, but I'd never taken a, a business class in my life. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a huge challenge for me was was never or just not knowing how to run a business, like how to get one set up. All of this was new, and I was on a very steep learning curve um, in terms of, you know, well, do I become an LLC or do I come, become an S-Corp? Yeah. You know, like there were so many options and just not knowing anything about any of that um, was, was a big challenge. Fortunately, I had some really good guidance along the way and, um, and had some really good, um, you know, input into how to get the business started. Uh, I think the other challenge is just a level of anxiety that I've faced from the very beginning. And yeah. I think 
I think some people handle it better, but in mm. general, I think running a business comes with a, a pretty heavy burden on, on your shoulders. Um, you know, for me, at least initially, it was taking care of, um, you know, just knowing how to provide for family. Yeah. We were, we were giving up our life savings uh, to, you know, to put into the business. Um, you know, so that, that just felt like a huge risk, um, and, uh, you know, so there was this constant kind of level of anxiety that came along with that, and so it's been a battle even to this day, where yeah. I wake up and there's a knot in my stomach, feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into, and what, where do I go from here, how do I, yeah. how do I continue to move this business forward? But here we are three years later and I've got, you know, a staff that's grown from uh, my nephew and a volunteer to, you know, I don't know, I think we're like a staff of 10 now. Um, and uh, we'll continue to move forward and I uh, just feel very fortunate to be where I'm at. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's, I think there's, if anything that I've battled is, is staying healthy and it, both mentally and physically uh, in the process. Yeah. I bet you know being being more of a, I mean you're 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 bigger in the schemes of like coffee. I feel like people like I've heard a lot about you and a lot a lot of coffee roasters like talk about you like um, how amazing your coffee is and how good it is cool. and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I would I can see that like the the stress and the anxiety of having a business and the more the more you grow the more. There's more to add on, more responsibilities. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, it's it's cool to see you grow and yeah, cool to you. see your shop and see you going and stuff. So, nice. but um, what would you say makes you passionate and motivated um, about coffee or being in the coffee industry? Well, I think there's a few things. There, I have. I think I'm passionate about quality, and I there's something about the experience with coffee on a just a very kind of minute level that I, I'm, I'm passionate about um, and from you know I think a lot of that has revolves around the sourcing of a coffee and, and the excitement of finding just really high quality coffee and knowing what goes into making uh, a beautiful beautiful coffee what it is um, that, that daily intrigues me and daily keeps me kind of moving forward and we get these samples in that's super exciting to me yeah um and uh so definitely you have a passion for just excellent coffee and, and all that surrounds uh making coffee excellent um and then that, i think that leads into this this passion of uh just being excited about what coffee means for people around the world um yeah. for many it's a it's a livelihood, and knowing that we are involved in, in support of people's livelihoods, yeah. um, knowing that we're paying way above, you know, you know, normal prices for coffee is exciting, um, and um, that's an area that uh, of passion that I'm excited to move more forward and into as as we grow as a company and have more time to travel. Um, is to you know 
to, to visit producers um, and just work on those relationships. Because um, I think that's the other uh, you know passion I have is just is um, you know uh, just the production side and, and um, uh, growing with uh, growing alongside producers and, and working alongside producers. And, yeah. um, so that's and, and I think one exciting aspect of that for us here at Sweet Plume is that we actually uh, invite producers to come to to our facility as well, and that's been yeah. uh, really special uh, and need to share their you know they've been able to share their stories with um, our our wholesale customers and our retail customers here in Colorado. Um, I think that's been a really fun aspect of, of all of this is be able to bring them to um, the cafes and serve their coffee, have them meet the, the owners of the cafes, yeah. and um, kind of experience the end result of their hard work. Um, so that, yeah, so I think just the quality side I'm passionate about and also just the, the working with, um, just the international aspect of working with producers is, is a passion as well. Yeah, because people have told me that you're pretty connected with with the farmers and you have a good relationship with the farmers um, I've heard a lot of good good things from that um, <clears throat> what <clears throat> what is your relationship with your farmers and like for you going to coffee farms mm -hmm. um, what do you look for like going to a coffee farm yeah I, you know that I think with most young roasteries, there's not an opportunity to travel a lot, and I haven't done that much um, since I've opened Sweet Bloom. Again, I'm fortunate enough now where I'm, I'm able to more after three years. With, you know, I've got a head roaster, Jin, um, who's able to free me up from the roaster. Um, we've got help in the office. Um, so that's something that I'll, I'll move more and more into. Um, but. I, I've had the fortune still uh, I've had the fortune to travel um, twice to Columbia now and I've visited producers there yeah um, our next trip is um, uh, I plan to go visit uh, Edwin Martin Martinez uh, from Vista Hermosa in Guatemala oh nice um, we've had him here he's one of the producers that we brought to, to Sweet Bloom um, and now the plan is for for me to go and visit, um, and uh, you know, so I still very, still feel very uh, new to the visiting the producer side of yeah. coffee. Um, it's it's in a realm that I'm excited to get into more, um, and I think for me it's just what I want to. You know, there's there's like I have not been to Carlos and Bosch's farm. And that, that's something that I really uh, desire to do. And that'll probably be another trip that I might take this year. Yeah. Um, is to visit his farm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, so for now, it's still this forming of relationships. I've, I've uh, had the opportunity to to meet some producers along the way. But, but really, this is, I think, I see this as the next stage of, of, of where we... Uh, take sweet food is, is to really you know work on establishing relationships with, with our producers in a more meaningful way 
So again, having producers here, but also I'll, I'll need to go and, and visit these farms more. So yeah, um, you know, it's a little bit of a rambling answer. Um, no, that's okay. <laughs> but I, but I think that that's yeah, that's what I. I'm fortunate enough now that we're we're able to for me to travel, and, and that's going to happen more and more is that we. Uh, visit these producers um, and just establish better and better relationship relationships with them as well um, and you know excited about opportunities to to build these um, you know work with some of these farms um, and see how we can come alongside them and, and support them in, in the, the efforts that they're undertaking yeah um, we did do a, a, a fundraiser for uh, uh, a nursery, a, a um, variety nursery at Bistermosa, hmm. um, which was really cool. Um, they they got hit by um, rust, uh, coffee leaf rust, uh, about three and a half, four years ago, um, and it you know devastated their farm for a couple of years. Wow! And, and they're bouncing back from that. But one of the one of the projects they're taking on is. Um, is planting a, a variety nursery, and what they want to do is see, you know, they're going to plant many, many different um, subspecies of, of arabica, and mm. see which ones do well on their farm um, and are resistant to rust yet maintaining high quality. Um, cool. So we we had a fundraiser to support that, and um, these are the types of projects that we both to to be able to um, support more and more as we grow. Um, have a little bit more of a significant impact in those areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really cool. That's that's amazing. Like all that you you're saying and stuff. That's that's really cool and neat. Um, yeah. What uh is is there any roaster that inspired you when you first started, or is there any roaster that's still inspiring you? Well. I think uh, I've always, there's a couple of roasters that I have been really impressed with um, and I think are, are wonderful models, again, for this um, idea of creating relationships with farmers and also transparency. Um, yeah. The first one that comes to mind is counterculture. I, I think they've done an amazing job of, with their transparency reports um, and just sharing with the world, uh, you know, what they pay to farmers and, and uh, also, you know, the types of projects they're, they're working on with their producers. Um, I think they are, you know, a company that, that is fully worth modeling. And, and um, yeah, I've just been always impressed with, with how they work as a company. And, yeah. Um, and then one other one that comes to mind is Olympia. I think they're also, you know, I, I've always been impressed with not only their coffee quality but the, the types of projects that, that they're working working on whether it be with long miles um, in Rwanda or um, yeah actually I, I tasted a coffee at SCA uh, back in Seattle a month ago that knocked my socks off it was like <laughs> yeah it was in a cupping with a importer that we work that we work together with, right? I mean, we work with them and so does Olympia, and this coffee 
was mind blowing how good it was. Mm. Um, and then when I asked them for her, you know, about the coffee, he's like, oh, oh, that's actually a coffee that Olympia has secured. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm done speaking with you now. Um, but it, but what, what's cool about that and why they had that coffee on the table is they wanted to highlight uh, what a, a roastery can do in terms of working with, or how, how, they, how a roastery can come alongside producers and really improve the quality of their coffee. Yeah. Um, and that takes time, it takes money, it takes, you know, knowledge of, of um, you know, agronomy and things like that. But I've just been really, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me that, you know, and Oliver, the owner of Olympia, shared a bit about um, their work uh, with this farm. And uh, just the, how they've seen the quality improve uh, year after year hmm. um, to the point where I'm, it's honestly one of the best coffees I've tasted in a long time. Wow. Um, so, I, yeah, that Olympia definitely comes to mind as, as a, a roastery that I really respect and, and impressed with. And they've just got good people that, you yeah. know, uh, are constantly, um, you know, involved with the industry and involved in competitions and, and um, yeah, just just people that I really respect. Just how they, their presence on even the competition floor, like Sam Schroeder, wonderful um, competitor and someone I just respect just on how he, um, you know, just, just carries himself uh, mm. on the competition floor. So, yeah, they're, they're a good, good company. That's, that's cool. Yeah, I want to I wanna check it. Eventually, I'll check them out and yeah. see, yeah. Um, I, that's one of the places I want to go see and visit and hang out at. So, that's really yeah. cool. Um, what would you say is your favorite um, brew method to use? Um, and do you have a favorite um, flavor profile? Yeah, I'm. Well, right now in the cafe, we're using Kalitas. And I, for whatever reason, I think, you know, we're doing 18 gram brews, and I think Kalitas uh, perform really well with that dose. Mm. Um, there's just a little bit more body that we get out of uh, the Kalitas and a little less astringency. So it, I think it helps with, yeah. with, with again, with an 18 gram brew, it, it minimizes uh, over extraction. Um, whereas, uh, when I've used like Melita brewers, uh, which I really like, um, at an 18 gram dose, they tend to pull out a little bit more, wow. um, yeah, astringency. Um, so I think I'm over extracting, or we, with how we brew, we tend to over extract with Melitas at a larger dose. Yeah. Um, but I think Melitas work really well for smaller doses, like around 12 to 13 grams. And that's what I used in competition for Melita Brewers. Um, and I, I used Bee Houses once too. But I don't know, I think you can take any brew method and um, if you apply the right science and the right uh, ratios and the right time, um, you know, you're, you're gonna have, you should be able to get an extremely good brew 
uh, yeah. no matter what brewer you use. It's just that we, we found with our, you know, the cafe, the, the clue does do really well with an 18 gram dose. Um, I think what we look for, uh, you know, what I, I love is highlighting variety characteristics. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when we buy coffee, obviously we're looking for something special in it, and um, I want I want the brews to be able to highlight uh, whatever that is, yeah. and bring out those varietal characteristics while maintaining uh, really good sweetness and really good balance and mouthfeel. Um, so I think you know we that's how we approach our, our roasting. That's how we you know hopefully at the end of the day we're also you know we're roasting to bring out those varietal characteristics and we're also uh, brewing to bring them out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, so I, what we're looking for is fantastic fragrance, aromatics, um, which mm. to me, if, if, if a coffee's smelling really good, it's a window into what you're about to taste. Yeah. Um, so, and that actually kind of enters into why we, you know, why we're called Sweet Bloom, because um, to me, a, a really good indication of quality of coffee uh, is actually when you poured that first you know, 30 or 40 grams onto the coffee bed and it blooms. Right at that stage when you're smelling the coffee, it should smell amazing. And you should be getting wonderful, you know, uh, uh, well, floral notes. Uh, it should smell really sweet. And it should smell really clean. If there's anything that's off in that bloom when you're smelling it, it, it then will translate into the cup as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know when you're pouring into a when you're uh, infusing water or infusing coffee with with that initial pour, um, it should smell really good. Otherwise, it's probably an issue with the coffee. Yeah. Huh. Um, so yeah, that's I think in a nutshell what we're looking for in terms of uh, what we like to highlight with coffee. Yeah. It's really neat. Yeah. What what separates speaking of coffee? What separates your coffee from from other coffees? Well, I think maybe experience. Yeah. I think being in the industry for 14 years and, and being behind the sample roasters for a large part of that time and um, cupping I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of cups of coffee. Roasting, I don't know how many thousands of samples. Uh, there's a lot over time that you pick up, and it could be just a little small thing that you realize, hey, this actually translates to all copies. You know, yeah. whether it be in the sample roaster, there, there's certain things that maybe I understand that that someone starting out in coffee doesn't see or doesn't know to look for. Uh, or even with the green coffee, there, there's certain things with green coffee that, that indicate quality that, that just come with time and you can't really, that just doesn't happen overnight. You, you experience it over hours and hours of, of yeah. being behind a, a sample roaster and looking at green coffee and roasting green coffee. That I think helps set us apart from maybe a lot of uh, roasters from the same age of us. Uh, that have maybe just got into roasting, um, and you know, I, I think that yeah. So the, the experience has maybe helped us choose 
copies that are consistently better and that will perform better over time as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think there's really, there's some interesting indicators with even how fresh coffee is by what it looks like when you're roasting it. Um, hmm. But yeah, I think it, to me, it's it's a level, or it's a matter of experience that helps separate our coffees, uh, yeah. perhaps from other roasters. Um, and I'd, I'd like to think that we're super consistent with our roasts as well. We, um, I think, pride ourselves in, in being very consistent, and that's, that's feedback that we've got from customers that are roasts, or you can kind of count on them being more or less the same from week to week. You know, maybe detecting a slight variation, but mm. in general, our rows from week to week, our, our customers can count on us to be very consistent um, and balanced. And I think we really aim for balance in our coffee. Yeah. Um, so that we're not, you know, I, I totally get light roasts, like really uber light roasts. You know, there's a level of sweetness and um, and and kind of a a really crisp acidity that can come with them, but you, you might miss mm. a heavier body, and, and that coffee might not hold up really well from hot to cold. Um, and so that's what we try and do is achieve you know, just a wonderful balance from hot to cold, uh, while still highlighting you know the special special characteristics of the coffee, yeah. um, making it drinkable for everybody. Yeah, is, is something maybe that we do better than other roasters or not saying that we're the best but that's I think maybe we we do better than a lot of roasters out there yeah I I think when I when I drink your coffee or whenever I I, I get your coffee there is a, a very consistent flavor to it cool. and I do feel that it's very balanced um, I mean I I think most people could say the same thing that that I hang around and that mm-hmm. um, that I live around in Tulsa so cool but yeah, I, I, I when when I do think about Sweetland, I do think about like consistency and balance. Like I think of, I think about those things, you know. Yeah. Which is funny, but yeah. Yeah. It's great that Good. you said that. That's, that's what we hope uh, translates. Um, what's kind of the difference from from the beginning of where you started to now? Like, have you seen any differences in like business or just any elements of of roasting and stuff? Well. I think in terms of our business, um, you know, when, when I started uh, in coffee, uh, there was not this idea of multi-roasters, uh, like a cafe was not a multi-roaster cafe. Yeah. Almost always it was an exclusive to one roaster, maybe two. Um, but I feel like that was changing, uh, like in the, the space of time that I left ceremony to the space of time or to the time I started sweep room, there was a, a massive or a significant transition to startup cafes going to a multi-roaster model. Yeah. Um, and and that I think continues to challenge us and um, and is a change that we're always kind of uh, or now that we're you know just Really trying to respond to. Um, so I think if I had if I had started Sweet Bloom uh, with a focus of yeah we're just going to find exclusive accounts I think we would not have done well. Yeah. Um, we've been very open to 
multi-roaster cafes and, and, and responding awesome. very quickly to them and being very willing to work with multi-roaster cafes. And I think that's, that's put us in good stead. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that there's not challenges presented with that. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of volatility because um, we'll have, you know, major cafes pick us up for a few months and then move on. And that can really, you know, especially when you're starting out, can really change your volume for a week. Yeah. So, you know, and that can change your approach to even how you're buying your coffee. Um, so there's just been a lot of, like, just, you know, maybe some of the anxiety that I have faced over the three years is just that, you know, responding to multi-roasters and, and, you know, um, navigating that, that volatility. Um, so, and I think that continues to, and along the way, we've had a lot of roasters, or sorry, cafes uh, that we've been selling to that have moved to roasting their own. Hmm. And so that's been a change that's been a, a, a huge challenge for us is, is, you know, really solid, really, you know, large orders uh, that we were kind of relying on or, or um, fulfilling week to week. Um, and all of a sudden you lose that because they're roasting their own coffee. They can't blame them, right? Because yeah. it makes a lot of sense, in, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, but it, it, it certainly presents the roaster with a pretty significant challenge. Yeah. Um, something to continue to, you know, consider and think about how, how do we respond to that? Is it going to level off or cafe is going to, at some point, is this this switch to roasting their own coffee going to slow down, or yeah. is this something that we need to um, to build stability with our own business? Do we need to consider retail as yeah. an option for us to so kind of flip, flip, you know, or you know, consider uh, moving into retail ourselves just to build a little bit of stability? I don't think that we're not there yet, and I don't think you know as long as we continue to grow. Um, our wholesale and, and you know I, I think we're fine um, but it, it is something that I think about a lot uh, and you know I think our focus with, with multi-roasters now is who's gonna who wants to work with us on a consistent basis um, that's what I love about like fleet in their multi-roaster program in Austin, mm, Texas. Yeah. Uh, they'll bring us on for three months as like a primary roaster. Um, and then uh, they'll let you know when that's happening, and then they'll let you know when it's ending. And the beauty of what I think they do is they'll, they'll keep us on as a roaster throughout the year. It, it might be a really small order, but at least they're ordering from us, and they, they want to keep that kind of continuous relationship throughout the year. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's something I really appreciate. And I think, uh, you know, multi-roaster cafes that put a lot of thought into how they treat their roasters, I think uh, I really appreciate. And that's something as we move forward, I want to focus on more is, is you know, okay, we're, we're interested in, in working with you, but what's that long-term relationship look, look like? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's something I... I 
see as something I'll, I'll really kind of push is we're happy to work with you, but we want some level of fidelity. We want some level of, hey, you're going to be, you know, kind of, we can count on you, um, you know, to come back to us. If, if you're, if you rotate roaster, rotate roasters out, or yeah. are you going to return to us? Or is this like a one-off thing? Hmm. Um, yeah, we want to work with, with uh, cafes that, that, that we know will come back to us and are excited to work with us on a, a longer term basis. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice. Saying that, what would you love to see change in the coffee industry? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm, I've been in such a bubble for three years um, that that's a question I think I can start to maybe address again or think again. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's been so much. Uh, my mind and my time is consumed with this how do we grow uh, how do we grow sweet food and, and, and yeah um, that I haven't really thought a, a lot about what I'd like to see change in the industry I, I think I see trends which I think are really good I think there's more and more science that's being applied to uh, the industry um, I'm excited and also fearful for you know how climate change is, is affecting uh, producers throughout the world, um, yeah. but it's exciting to see the science and, and the, the hard push for really good answers to these these problems. Um, and you know that's something that I'd love to maybe take part in and uh, facilitate or, or you know be part of the voice for change. Yeah. In terms of hey, we need to address these issues, and this is what we're doing about it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think just supporting the science is going behind uh, not only the quality of coffee, but addressing the issues of, of coffee wheat rust and, and the other impacts that global warming has. Um, I would like to think that I can uh, be a, a small part of. Um, moving forward. That's really cool. What what advice would you give to someone that wants to start a coffee roaster mm -hmm. um, or wants to start a small business? I think, to me, um, there's nothing... Uh, well, there's actually everything to be said about just working your butt off in a... a whatever job you have if it's in coffee um, and at least initially getting really good experience and that might mean you know starting as a barista or starting as in production you know bagging coffee and if you get that position being willing to do anything within that position um, yeah. that whether it's you know cleaning toilets or dusting lights or you know just seeing needs around you that would help that business move forward um, and to me you gain a lot of not only you know knowledge along the way um, but you also put your you put yourself in a good position to move forward in that company um, to, to take on you know maybe um, positions that are a little bit more uh, meaningful um, or impactful within the company um, 
and if you're willing to kind of you know just put a lot of hard grunt work in day in day out year after year um, I think it'll put you in good stead then to um, to have the experience to start a business yeah. um, I, I would certainly suggest that some business classes would would really help um, I don't, I'm not saying it's necessary to get a business degree but it wouldn't hurt to do some online coursework and, and take some of these you know business type uh, classes that are geared towards starting your own business. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think there's, you know, to me, maybe that's what helped me start Sweet Bloom is I, I think I just uh, was kind of, I developed a good work ethic over the years and was willing to do a lot of stuff that was outside of my, my specific job requirements. Mm. Um, job description um, and I think that you know developing a really good work ethic is going to at some point put you in good stead to start your own business yeah. um, and you'll probably get a lot of really good experience along the way that will then help you make good decisions when you're actually uh, out there starting uh, doing a startup uh, business in terms of being becoming a, a roastery uh, I think, um, to me, I think part of our success has just been focusing on quality and, and keeping that paramount mm -hmm. and um, being willing to say no to, to biz business opportunities that come along yeah. that may not actually be a good fit for you and may, you know, you might be tempted to pick up an account where you're getting 100, 200 pounds a week. But, but how does that you know, how does that reflect on your company you know, yeah. if you're willing to kind of you know bend your quality standards to fit a, a given account in the end that might come back to bite you yeah so I to me a focus on quality and, and being bent on that mm. and working with people that have that same bent is, is really important and that's what I would certainly encourage you know, roasters that are starting out is to, you know, I, I, I get the need to, to build volume, but at the same time, you just got to be careful with where that volume is coming from. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, how could, how could people find you or see what you guys are doing or um, any social mediums? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're active on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can go to our website, www.sweetbloom.com. Uh, at, at, I'm sorry, at sweetbloom.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an area that we <laughs> need growth too is, is our our social media. You know, right now I'm mostly responsible for that and that, you know, it's probably reflected in our the amount of posts and yeah. uh, perhaps some of the quality of, of the photos, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, that's something we'll be working on as, as we grow and I'm able to, you know, free that up more and more and give that responsibility to someone else. But, yeah, we we can definitely be seen on Instagram and Facebook. And that, that's where people find out about what we're doing, the copies we're releasing and, and excited about and um, information on, um, well, there'll be information on classes that we're offering. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get more and more 
uh, we're going to offer more and more um, like cupping classes for the public. And That's awesome. Like that. yeah. So, yeah, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, yeah, go to well, our website for subscriptions and ordering a lot. Yeah, well, before we go, uh, describe a little bit like the coffees that you do have right now and, mm-hmm. um, and kind of the seasonal ones that you yeah. usually have. So Yeah, seasonal is definitely our focus, um, sometimes to a fault because it just, you know, we're, we're constantly, we're, I think what that means for us is we're offering smaller, uh, or we're, we're buying smaller quantities. So at any given time we might have uh, a smaller offering, but throughout the year we have a really large offering because we're just buying small lots. Um, yeah. And that's because we're very intent on, on uh, keeping a, a very seasonal offering. So what that means for us right now is we've got our first uh, coffees from East Africa arriving. Uh, so I'm super excited about our, our Duramina, uh, uh, which is a washed Jima. Uh, and then uh, we also have a, a new coffee from Kenya, uh, Kiramara. And uh, I think they're just beautiful coffees and this is a, a super exciting year, or part of the time of the year. Uh, as we see these uh, East Africans arriving, and then shortly after, uh, copies from Central America. Um, but right now, yeah, the, the um, Kiramara and the Termina are, I, I think, uh, beautiful copies that I'm really excited about. Okay. And we, we do keep, uh, we offer a really nice Columbia decaf throughout the year. Um, we, I, quite fond of the sugarcane processed decafs um, and I just think it's consistently an excellent decaf that we offer and then uh, we have one blend uh, called Hometown which we use as our espresso uh, here in the cafe and a lot of our our customers use Hometown um, uh, as their espresso as well it also makes really good drip coffee we put excellent coffees into it don't That's really awesome. take shortcuts on it. So, cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the Low Key Podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, and uh, I hope people buy your coffee and then come thanks. out to Sweet Room to check it out. So. Yeah, please do. All right. See you later. All right. Cheers. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. Want to thank Andy Springer from Sweet Bloom Coffee Roasters for being on the Low Key Podcast. If you're ever in Denver, go check out Sweet Bloom and get a cup of coffee. Also, go check them out on all their other social mediums like Facebook and Instagram to see what they're doing. Guys, if you subscribe to Low Key, give us a rating and a review. And then also, if you listen to this podcast... And don't subscribe. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, go check our check out our website, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out what we're doing. There's T-shirt giveaways. There's coffee giveaways. Also, we're gonna sell shirts pretty soon, and there's vlogs. So, guys, that's it from Low Key. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low key.